welcome to Mountain Meister. It's the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. Hey, Ben. Hey, is this Fidget? This is Fidget. Neon too. Neon too? Yeah. Okay, great. Hello. My guests today are Bethany Hughes and Lauren Reed, Fidget and Neon. They're two very, very long distance hikers that are in the middle of a daunting project. They began hiking at the southern tip of South America and started going north. Now, two and a half years later, where are you in Colombia? Medellin? Medellin. Congratulations. It's a good checkpoint. Yeah, <laughs> we've been looking forward to it. It's kind of our last base and rest before pushing on through. And they'll continue pushing on through to Central America, Mexico, the United States, Canada, and all the way to the northern tip of Alaska. I'm Ben Shank, you're listening to Mountain Meister. After our interview with Fidget and Neon, we'll have a company spotlight with Peak Design, depending on your familiarity with camera gear, travel products, and the crowdfunding market, you may be familiar with them. Roommate Max will be interviewing their director of marketing, Adam Saracino. Then Roommate Max and I will review two of their bags. Okay, now let's go to my interview with Fidget and Neon, who I spoke to over Skype while they were in Medellin. At times you'll hear a little bit of traffic noise in the background, like horns. Hopefully that won't be too distracting if you're driving. We got here yesterday in the evening. Mm-hmm. So we've had some time to rest and recoup at least a little bit already. The dentist. Yeah, that's right. You went to the dentist. It's just like one of the many things that uh, I take for granted. Um, like knowing who my dentist is, Crentist, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do, are your teeth okay, both of you? We've got a couple of cavities, but nothing out of the ordinary after three years of living off cookies and granola bars. <laughs> the, the cavities are due to uh, what you eat, not like lack of brushing teeth? I hope not. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't specify. What I'm mainly blown away with is that I have to get three done and the total cost for the visit for the cleaning and to get all three of them done will be 150 US dollars. Wow, not bad. That seems like right? a pretty good deal. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Yeah. And that's, uh, you don't have uh, insurance or dental insurance, I assume. This is just like straight up what it costs. Yeah. yeah. That'll be paid out of pocket. Like we both have traveler's insurance, but uh -huh. that's more catastrophic. Right. So uh, your trail names are Neon and Fidget. You are traveling from the southern point of South America to the northern point of North America. It's over 20,000 miles. Uh, wh why do you want to do this? Where, where did this come? Where did this idea come about? <laughs> All right, got a good answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, the idea for this iteration of this journey came from Born to Run by oh, Chris okay. McDougall. Yeah, he actually mentions in the middle of the book that the Sierra Madres Occidental range in Mexico connects the longest chain of mountains in the world, and that's the Andes to the Rockies. Both of those have been where I've spent most of my life and spent most of my time. It's where I first began climbing mountains. It's where I've run sled dogs. It's 
where I've climbed guided. And once I read that sentence, it was just this massive invitation to do something. And I knew I was going to do it. I just had to pull it together. And, and you drug fidget along with you? Other way around. Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. It's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't say that fidget drug me. I would say that I asked a bunch of questions that she may or may not have made up some of the answers to. Like what? I don't even remember. We were talking about this a month ago, and I don't even remember the questions I asked. She brought up a couple of them, actually. What are they? She had been asking what was, I mean, usual hiker question, mountaineer questions, like what's the highest elevation that you're uh-huh. going to be at? What's the lowest elevation? Where is the highest elevation point? What kind of environments are we going to be in? Just a lot of that logistical stuff that um, it's Good. really hard to know until you get there. Uh-huh. But, yeah. but at the same time, you could probably find those answers on Google. So I think deep down inside, you actually wanted to do this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't have been asking questions if I wasn't interested. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a pretty, like, logical, straightforward person. And so for me to come on is I'm a bit more cautious. And at the same time, like, saying I'm a bit more cautious while doing a multi-thousand-mile, multi-year trip across continents is kind of hypocritical of me. <laughs> Neon. I would say Neon is cautious in the way that when I began talking about this idea to her, she came back a year or so later and said, all right, but I'm only going to commit to doing the South America part of this. <laughs> uh, on, a, on a relative to you, Fidget, maybe it's cautious, but uh, on an absolute level, you're pretty much in the 99th percent. <laughs> so w- where did the two of you first meet? We met on the Pacific Crest Trail. Fidget and I both were doing it in 2010, and we actually both completed it within the same few weeks of each other. But we met on trail and just kept in touch since then. I had uh, family in Colorado and while I was living in Utah, and I would go through her neck, through Fidget's neck of the woods when I would go visit my family, and we'd usually go out and go on adventures in the woods around her area. And then she came to come mountain biking in Utah once or twice. And we just stayed in touch since 2010. Um, I want to ask just uh, like a few maybe obnoxious questions uh, that people are probably wondering. So first of all, like how old are both of you? I am 33, but Fidget often gets mistaken for the older one. (laughs) (laughs) I am 32. Okay. Anne just showed me with her fingers so that I would remember. And uh, like how can you afford to do this? What do you do when you're not hiking? The way that we afford to do this, the first part of it for me was the planning stage. Uh, It was important that I show myself that I was willing to commit to this plan because pretty much from its inception, I knew that there were some parts of it that were going to be very difficult and not rewarding in the moment. And I thought the best way to prepare myself for that was to spend the time working and saving 
So I spent five years working and saved up a up a baseline of about twelve thousand dollars. I've since put about half of that into an a foobard fund or a an worst case scenario fund. Okay, and the rest of it has gone into affording this journey. On top of that, it had the second large source of income has been our community supporting us um, on fundraising platforms. Currently, we're basically just working off of Patreon. Mm-hmm. We have a community there who um, basically pay us, <laughs> to pay, pay to feed us each month. And then we have some random PayPal donations that come in. And whenever we have time to rest and have internet, we will uh, sell things that we've written to various blog sites and um, outlets and so Thermarest just bought a series from us of week-long hiking trails throughout South America that we really enjoyed. Uh How like who like how did you know that you are right for each other? (laughs) It's like you're spending a lot of time together. That's a good question. That's it's, that's more of a decision than knowing that someone is right for you. We certainly did work on the front end of sitting down and talking about our personality types, going over Myers-Briggs, reviewing the four agreements, um, and being really clear in our intentions and goal setting and checking in on those regularly throughout our journey. But essentially when it comes down to it, you just commit to completing this project with this other person and then you trust that they're going to uphold their end. And that for me at least was very nerve wracking for the first, I'd say year, year and a half. But with time, Neon has shown her integrity and her follow through. And I now recognize the quality of a hiking partner that I found in her. And it's everything that I had hoped needed and more. There, there is no uh, romantic connection between the two of you? No, actually to like part of your question earlier about our relationship uh-huh. is um, take a romantic partnership, subtract the sex and romance, uh, add a bunch of other stressors such as like walking across a continent and a country that you may know the language in or not. Um, and then increase the amount of time that you spend together. Hmm. Do you do anything uh, on a daily or weekly or monthly basis to deliberately keep the relationship strong, such as like a mindfulness practice or a gratitude kind of thing? We very much do. We've become, over the years, we've become, and because we're so different, had to become more and more intentional with like putting energies toward each other um and our relationship and friendship um what we make sure to do daily is um we've been doing for the past year year and a half uh daily check-ins which is just like over lunch or something like that we'll stop and like sit with each other and like say how we've been feeling for the past 24 hours or since the last time we checked in um, and that could be super helpful to get insight into each other. Cause it's like, maybe we were feeling something that the other person didn't recognize 
And so we can voice that to the other. And also maybe we didn't know that we were feeling something until we go through the past like 24 hours and have to explain it to another person. Um, and then we also, Fidget came up with the idea of doing monthly goal setting and checking in on that as well. So we do three different goals for the month and it's what it's, we do a personal goal, we do a team goal, and we do a trail goal. Do you do you care to share uh, one goal with us? Um, <laughs> currently, my my personal goal for this month has been to spend fifteen minutes a day just doing body conscientiousness work. So whether that's yoga or just uh, washing and rubbing my feet and checking in as the journey takes its toll. I find, and the roads, I find that checking in with my body is really important and I have to set that time aside. Otherwise, as soon as I lay down somewhere, I'm not getting back up. Our team goal this month has been focused around safety on the trail and awareness. So we've been incorporating safety check-ins with our daily check-in that we do over lunch. So just something as simple as, hey, that guy creeped me out or that one town that we walked through felt sketchy and checking in on if the other one was aware of that. And by sharing our observations, we heighten the other one's awareness and discuss plans if things were to go wrong. Speaking of feeling threatened, have there been any like really hairy times? We've had some hairy times, but mostly it's just coming off our heads. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there have been a couple of sketchy times. Um, there was one specific recently that we shared with some of our Patreon um, followers about almost being mugged and some cops walking up pretty much right as these kids came up and like mm. taking a knife off the kids and basically politely requesting we get in their car so they can drive. So the cops can drive us away from, from a sketchy area. This is, these are cops that you can trust. Yeah. We've learned with the Colombian police, actually a kite sailor in Argentina pulled over and told us you can trust the police in in Colombia. Just check and make sure that their boots are made of leather. That's how you'll know whether they're real or fake cops. And they've been nothing but um, incredibly kind, responsive. They they have this incredible way of showing up right at uh, sketchy moments. Another. I think for us, what we've learned over the course of this journey has been the best way to deal with a hairy moment is to avoid it. So we recently had to do that with the Nevados range. We were trying to push up into those mountains and circumstances were coming together that would have made that a very hungry, very cold, very wet crossing. And we stopped ourselves and checked our egos halfway up the mountain and both admitted that we could we, or insisted that we could do this but then when we shifted that question to do we want to do this we realized neither of us did and we both had kind of a bad feeling about it and so we turned around and went back down to the roads which was a hard hit to the ego but a huge affirmation to safety practices mm -hmm. now what if one person wanted to proceed but the other one didn't 
Then we have a system where we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And then we weigh it out and each one voices how strongly she feels in one direction or the other. We'll either do it on a scale of one to 10 or one to a hundred. So we'll say like, well, I want to keep going. How, how much do you want to keep going? 75%. And if the other person is, says, I don't want to keep going. Well, how much do you not want to keep going? Well, I don't want to mm, like 45%. Then we know that there's a stronger weight in the team towards continuing to go. So then we'll begin to lean in that direction. And then we start talking through the pros and cons. And if there's a huge safety matter, like what was with the Nevados, there was a safety concern of not having food. Those will trump our personal feelings. But if it comes down to what we want to do, we try to give each other's desires. Yeah. Creeps. I like that. So, so you have the higher weight on the safety and, um, if somebody's 45% is due to, uh, they just don't feel like it and <laughs> too bad. And it's been really interesting as we use this scale, how most of the time we're both workout, we're weighing in like, I don't know, 51%, I don't yeah. know, 49%. And you realize things that if it became a conflict, if it, if it was crazy, if it was set up as you are two opposing forces, you're going to pull apart and be more dramatic in, in holding your line, maybe just because you want to, and I can only speak for myself here, but like you want to win the argument or you want to have mm -hmm. your way go. But when you have to put a number to it and you realize, all right, like I could take or leave this and you admit that to the other person, it, it really neutralizes a lot of the toxic competitiveness that can arise from these kind of discussions mm -hmm. do you during a normal day are both of you walking next to each other or what we walk within sight of each other especially now walking along roads with the um the added difficulty of potentially running into other people um, we walk, we try to walk within sight of each other. There have been times where we've like walked separately for both space and to allow ourselves like a breather, um, from each other. And that's been helpful as long as we, we have again, set up a way to do that while still being able to keep in touch via an app called WhatsApp. <laughs> Wait. So you separate to the point where you have to talk to each other through an app? We have, yeah. Wow, okay. We've been like a day apart. Uh-huh. And so, so the other person is just walking alone? We'll usually start approaching that conversation about a week or so ahead of time, admitting we're both to different, to different degrees, we're both introverts. And it's very, very challenging to be in the company of the same other person. Yeah. 98% of the time. So when we come to an area or we see an area ahead, cause we review our route every three months and we see an area that is safe, that there's access. We often, one of us will admit that she's feeling like she needs some alone time. And so we'll set up a specified distance. And since neon is a morning person, she'll take off early in the morning. I'll hang around and chat with the people in town until midday. And then I take off and we'll give each other that space and then generally come back together. I think the longest we've been apart was about two days, day and a half or two days, but generally we're within line of sight of each other and we have 
little hand signals that we do to communicate. This is crazy. Like, uh, all, all of these strategies that you have seem so logical, uh, or, or maybe rational, I should say, and like they make sense. Uh, but it just seems like there's so much that can go wrong socially when it's like two people so close together. So, and like one person's like, well, I, I need some alone time. And then the other person's feeling, well, well, I didn't need any alone time. Why do, why does this person, I don't know. You just like, it seems like you have a lot of respect for each other. Absolutely. And those things do come up. And the thing that we've learned is to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Whether most importantly, actually, is when you disagree is to voice that. For example, this needing alone time, that was something that I was not raised feeling like I could express in my family. And so admitting it, when Neon would say that at first, I would find it hurtful. When I would feel it in myself. I would feel like I was being negligent and I didn't realize any of that about myself until during these check-ins and sitting down and admitting that that's what was going on. Once you can look at something and name it, it takes its power over you away and gives you power to use it to help you towards your end goal. This is uh, an incredible self-improvement or self-growth five, six year journey you're on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a very intense self-growth uh, regimen that we're on right now. <laughs> it's um, been interesting to learn and grow as we go. Because if we were both stuck in our own like stubbornness, I don't know that we would have gotten nearly as far yeah. as we have. So uh, I've had a couple of adventure partners in the past, and like, what do you do? You have any advice for my, me or other people who are going on like? your trip in years, it would be for us in days. If you're going out for days, I think some of the things that we've done that would apply even to shorter trips would be having each member of the party state their intention before going out there. Mm -hmm. If you have one person who's absolutely committed to connecting every step and another person is just going out for fun, odds are high you're going to have different Mm -hmm approaches and that could be difficult. If you're out for multiple days or even weeks at a time, I would highly recommend the practice of a daily check-in and doing so at a time when there aren't other pressures. We choose to do ours towards the end of our lunch breaks because then we know that we're we're resting, we're someplace safe, we're fed, we've gone to the bathroom, like none of those outside stressors are, are imposing themselves and you can really just you can afford to give 10 or 15 minutes to the well-being of your partnership because that's more likely to determine your success than most anything else, I would say. At what point did this become your life? <laughs> For me, that was, it was the second that I read that sentence in Born to Run. It was... It was absolutely a calling. I I knew and everything I had began to reorient towards that and even other projects that I was doing at the time began going towards that. Like I was still doing talks about having through hiked the Pacific Crest Trail and after one of the talks, an older gentleman came up to me and he asked what I was going to do next and it was the first time I voiced it out loud but I said, I'm going to walk across the Americas And he said, good for you, and handed me a $10 bill. And 
as soon as that money hit my hand, I was like, oh, well, I guess now I got to do it. <laughs> I wonder if he knew the kind of impact that that would have on you. Right. It's the, it's those little things. It's, it's those tiny things that have such a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so whoever didn't answer that question, uh, what, when did this become your life? Uh, maybe as in, uh, you wake up in the morning and like, okay, it's, it's time to walk. I'm not even thinking about like, this is a big trip that I'm on. Like, this is just what I do each day. I think like with any trip I've ever taken, um, it's been an evolution and I would, I would say it's very similar to my evolution along the Appalachian trail. When I did that, um, it was when I first started in Georgia on the Appalachian trail, it was like, Oh, I can't wait to get to Maine. I can't wait to summit Katahdin. This is so great. Um, I'm going to walk 10 miles and be in pain for months. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then like when I hit Virginia or by the time I hit Virginia after going through, um, Georgia, North Carolina and Tennessee, it became more of a like, Oh, what are we, where are we trying to get to tonight? Um, so it's like, it basically, you kind of roll back your ideas and thoughts to taking it literally day by day, literally step by step in our case, um, to make it to like the next plan point. And yeah, you have those like far off points in your mind, but until you're like either in that country or in that, um, vicinity, like we're 350 kilometers from our ending in, in <laughs> Colombia, and we still can't like, sometimes we'll just look at each other and be like, what, how did we already cover 12,000 miles? <laughs> or 12,000 kilometers, I'm sorry. Uh, 8,000 miles. Oh um, so God. it becomes an evolution of like, it just becomes your daily life. Wow. Coming up, we'll hear more from Fidget and Neon about their mission called Her Odyssey. But first, a word about my very important mission, which is to get you to try Saks Underwear, Mountain Meister's sponsor. For this upcoming holiday season, guys... Treat your boys to a special gift. Give them the gift of comfort and support provided by Saks Underwear's patented ballpark pouch. The 3D mesh panels keep everything in place with absolutely no friction at all. And ladies, even though Saks is only men's underwear, you know the importance of comfortable underwear. Treat your man and his boys, the whole family, to Saks Underwear this season. To get you started, my gift to you is $5 off, plus free shipping on your first purchase. Go get it with my promo code MEISTER, M-E-I-S-T-E-R, at checkout at saxunderwear.com. Again, that's S-A-X-X underwear.com. Use the code MEISTER at checkout for $5 off, plus free shipping. And thanks. So what is Her Odyssey? Her Odyssey is an endeavor to travel the length of the Americas by non-motorized means to, as a way to connect the stories of the land and its inhabitants. Okay. So this is like, this is the name of your project, Her Odyssey. It is. Okay. So part of this mission is to share your experiences with the people along the, the entire journey. So, uh, why did, why do you want to do this and who, who are you sharing it with? 
The sharing of this journey occurs at a number of levels. It's the partnership between us. It's connecting with the people who we meet along the trip and it's sharing that journey globally via our, our website, our blog, our social media platforms. Um, the idea of it came because I grew up in South America and got to see and meet and be influenced by these incredible, humble, wise, strong people with an understanding of this earth that's rooted in living from this earth. And I think what I have seen of the movement of humanity is that we're moving away from that connection. We change environments so often that we don't even notice the long-term changes in weather patterns in one area. Versus in Patagonia, we sat down with a young couple who were the fifth generation of their family to live in this one valley. And they were now working for the park service but them working for the park service was secondary. They were like, no, our family's job is to protect this valley and whatever role we have to step into to do that, we will do that to stay here. That sounds so powerful. Uh, why don't we have that sort of connection uh, as much in America, North America, I should say? One of the boundaries that first world people face is we have the choice to not be uncomfortable. For the people who live, who we've been talking to in the Andes, they have this awareness because they're exposed to these seasons. They have to get out there and collect the firewood. They have to plant the food and try to grow it. They're also the first ones who are physically experiencing the costs of climate change. Their, their plants aren't giving fruit anymore. So, while for us, it, we can treat it like an academic debate for these people we're talking to, it means there's less food on their plate. There's no debate about it. It's, it's what's happening. So I think one of the, the divisions is that we've gotten so good at seeking creature comforts and cultivating that around ourselves and cocooning us from the effects that we're wreaking on our planet. So they... Um all right, I guess we seek to avoid discomfort. How do they view discomfort? They view it as a part of it. We talked to a gaucho in Chile, Don Real, who talked about when he had broken his foot one winter, he didn't want to go into town, so he would summon his horse to the door of his house, saddle up his horse, and he would have to ride his horse down to pick up firewood and drag it back up to his house. And he showed us his foot and it was misshapen and at a weird angle and it was just part of life as opposed to something to be avoided. And that's a big part of, of what we lean into daily on this journey is that we are so vulnerable out here to the weather, to the people, to the consequences of politics it's all right there and daily it's deciding whether you're going to live or die. <laughs> um, so that's maybe how we're different. Uh, I work at a lab that researches human behavior and decision making. And we often try to cover or uncover patterns uh, that apply to all human beings. So what are some similarities that you found? 
I'm sorry, did you say a difference? No, I'm looking for similarities. Sure. Maybe we're, we're seemingly different uh, in, in our views of discomfort. What, have, what profound ways have you found that we are similar? At the most fundamental level, what I have seen is that people want to feel heard. Whether it's the Wasso who's been out there with just his animals for seven months, or whether it's a mother, they just want to feel heard. So being able to speak the language has been a huge asset in that part of our mission. Hmm. Some of the other points that your question got me thinking about was something I've heard repeatedly has been that people want a better life for their kids. Uh, people tend to be, or countries tend to be most mistrustful of their neighbors. Say that, say that one more time. Country, which countries or all countries? I would say most of the countries that we've been through, Chileans don't trust Argentines. Argentines aren't certain about Chileans. People are skeptical of the Bolivians. Bolivians are skeptical of the Brazilians. The Ecuadorians don't trust the Colombians. Really the only exception that I've seen and heard consistently from a country has been here in Colombia. They have a ton of empathy for the Venezuelans. Hmm. And there seems to be more of a camaraderie rather than a competitiveness. And another one that I wanted to point out has been that one of the common grounds that we've seen has been everybody's racist. Okay. Are you are you uh, conscious of or do you follow what's going on in the U.S. right now politically? Yeah. We've yeah, been hearing it. And one of the things that I would say is that the stakes are a lot higher in America and the things that happen in America have consequences. They send ripples out mm -hmm. through the world. The world is watching. And so whereas we in America can be completely and pretty embarrassingly oblivious to, for example, genocides or the thousands upon thousands of people who've disappeared from the countries that we've been walking through and we're completely unaware of it, they know what's going on in the United States and they're watching what we're doing right now. So, yeah. We'll lighten it up a little bit. Let's go to uh, gear recommendations. Uh, could I get uh, at least one from each of you, your favorite piece of gear thus far? Let's start with Fidget. <laughs> I would have to say that it's my backpack. It's, a first backpack that I've ever had that was made and modified to my specifications. Okay. And it's coming off of the Hyperlite Mountain Gears design of the 2400 Southwest, which just by being what it is blew my mind because it's the first backpack that I got that I didn't need to have a, a rain cover for it. Because it's waterproof. Yeah, because it's waterproof by itself. Mm. And it has... I'm a huge fan of pockets and it's just covered in pockets. Like I love it. I can carry half of my gear on the outside of the pack. <laughs> and you've been using the same pack the whole time? Yep. Wow. I've I've traded we've traded them out with each season and they just made they just put bigger hip pockets on it this year. I like to think because I kept complaining about them. Um, <laughs> so that's it's really exciting. Neon the one thing that I can think of that hasn't let me down yet is our socks. Um, 
I do have uh, some new and different gear for this season that I've only been only been using for about six or seven months. <laughs> so that still stood up to the test of me. But um, we've been using uh, farm to feet socks. Yeah. Uh, based out of North Carolina and they're pretty awesome. Like I met Steve at an outdoor retailer a couple years ago now and he was just immediately like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, how can we help you ladies out? And um, so they've been super durable and I also appreciate that they are, they're called farm to feet for a reason. Like they follow their um, supply chain from the farmers in Wyoming and the, the Northwest territories, uh, to their actual facilities of making the socks in, um, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you've mentioned seasons a couple of times. Are you flying back to the U S in between, uh, seasons or what, or, or are you hiking? Have you been hiking straight for two and a half years? We take breaks. Uh, especially coming through Patagonia, we ended up cutting our season a bit short because of the, the weather that came in. Um, and so we had already planned on taking a break, but we hiked for our first season was six months. Our second season was 13 months Whoa. and this season <laughs> will be about eight or nine. <laughs> we third- use the term we use the term seasons loosely. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, our first season was six months, and it took us from Tierra del Fuego to Bariloche, Argentina. Our second season covered the distance from Bariloche to around the Cusco area of Peru. Mm-hmm. And then this season has been from Cusco to hopefully in the next month, Panama. And then, so once you get to Panama, do you, how long do you rest for? Or how long do you take in between seasons? It depends. Um, we had to wait out the winter in Patagonia. Now we don't really have that concern up right. here in the tropical areas. Um, we're looking at switching to do some, something other than walking through Central America. Ah. Uh, both for timeliness to get fidget on the Continental Divide Trail for next season, as well as um, safety. Um, A lot of what's going on in Central America right now isn't the best, um, specifically in Nicaragua. Uh, And so we're trying to stay safe and potentially hop on bikes, hopefully get some kayaking in. Um, So I'll take... To be able to go back to the U.S. for me is helpful to gather gear, mm. um, and that's been a big part of what we do when we are back in the U.S. is gather gear and catch up on family stuffs. Uh, okay, last question from me is who, uh, who do you like to he- or who would you like to hear next on this show? So you both of you are today's mountain meisters. Uh, is there somebody that you look up to that you'd like to hear uh, next? More women. Yeah. I Well, I do my best to get women on the show. You're right, though. Yeah. So if you want, we would love to hear more from the ladies out there crushing it. We have some incredible friends who are in the split boarding. Split board mountaineering. Split board mountaineers. Mm, yeah. You're getting after it. There's a niche out there lining up like this girl is just going to 
she's just a record crusher and she's taken on the triple crown like a boss. It's awesome. Anish, I thought I had her on the show. Yeah, Heather Anish Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's okay. been on the show. Okay, sweet. We only went back to 2016. Yeah, you're uh, no, but you you are right. Um, I do my best to get women on, but absolutely. And if you ever need names or people, like there's, we we actually talked through a list. Of, Send it over. Okay. I love yeah. I love getting recommendations that goes out uh to the people listening to the show right now too some of your guest wrecks fidget and neon thank you so much for coming on the show it is uh just mind-blowing what you're doing uh i wish you the best of luck do you have anything else that you'd like to say before we go doesn't matter how big or small your journey is as long as you get out your front door that's a win for that day go do it Links to everything we talked about today on our website, mtnmeister.com, including uh, links to the gear and pictures of Neon and Fidget, who recently finished South America. Congratulations to the two of you. Now on to our company spotlight segment of Mountain Meister. As a reminder, companies are not allowed to pay to be featured on this segment of the show. They only have to provide us a couple of items to try for our review, which will happen right after this little interview with roommate Max and Peak Designs Director of Marketing, Adam Saracino. We consider ourselves a carry brand. So we make stuff that helps you carry your stuff. Um, and that stuff uh, includes uh, backpacks, bags uh, meant for travel and also everyday use. And it also includes uh, camera accessories like camera straps and also uh, camera clips, uh, which are kind of used to rigidly carry your cameras around. Um, so that's kind of our product line. We started back in 2011 uh, when our founder, Peter Deering, launched our first Kickstarter campaign. And now, six, seven years later, we are uh, about, I think, 36 full-time people. We're based in San Francisco. Uh, and we've done all of our major product launches on Kickstarter. So we've done eight Kickstarter projects. Our last one just ended uh, less than a month ago for a line of really cool travel bags and packing accessories. So back looking at like ways to carry your stuff, um, Peak Design started in the camera space. Do you have a lot of background in photography or or was that sort of like it was it was a need that you were trying to fill? And then I guess looking at the development of Peak Design to today, how has that transitioned into um, from like camera accessory to backpack gone for you? Well, to speak to the first part of that, we started in the camera accessories space. Uh, because our company was, was founded on a single product called Capture, which uh, was a little metal clip, still is, it's still one of our most popular products, a little metal clip that lets you rigidly carry a camera, mirrorless SLR, any size, on your backpack strap or your belt. Um, so that it's not swinging around on your neck and it's easy to access and 
good for, you know, whether you're hiking or shooting weddings, it's good for a wide variety of things. And, and so for the first three or four years of our existence, we kind of expanded around that capture product and we expanded into camera straps and, and camera covers and, and that kind of stuff. But like when it boils down to it, like the ethos of our team and the thing that bonds us all together is not necessarily like photography. It's, it's adventure, it's travel. And so as we kind of grew, we started kind of going outside of just camera accessories into everyday bags and, and now travel bags. And uh, so a lot of people that know Peak Design know us as a bag company now. Um, and, you know, in many cases we are, it's where it's a lot of where a lot of our sales and revenue comes from. Um, but, you know, we're, we're kind of now straddled between, um, photography and, and just like general, like bags and everyday carry and travel. Um, which is kind of why we say that we're a carry brand now. Cause right. That's what we do. We make stuff that carries your stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> if, if you say you're a carry brand, everybody's like, cool, what's that? You know? <laughs> um, so we're working on that messaging. <laughs> well, I like the holistic uh, approach, you know, everybody has different yeah. stuff. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but it was, it was, it was hard to transition from, it, it was a challenge to transition from being, you know, just designers of specifically camera accessories to designers of like bags and soft goods. We're fortunate to have our, our head designer art, um, is <laughs> you, just wait, like your, your head art designer is named art. Our, yeah, well, actually our head, our art director is named Lawrence, but our head okay. designer is named Art. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's messed up, man. Um, but uh, Art is, he has a rare level of talent and eye for aesthetics that a lot of it is like not even learned. It's kind of innate. Um, and so, you know, making that transition over to bags uh, we're really helped by the fact that we just have a, a super, we're lucky to have a really talented team. So Adam, what's like one of your everyday or everyday um, peak design pieces that you carry? I mean, there isn't a product that we make that I haven't used extensively in some way, shape or form. But in terms of things that I have with me every single day, uh, I'm a backpack guy. Um, mm -hmm. so I use our 20 liter everyday backpack, which is our most popular bag. Another thing that I just started recently using is, uh, we just launched this on Kickstarter over the summer. Uh, it's this little tech organizer called tech pouch. And it's kind of got these like origami pockets on the inside that allow you to just keep your cords and your mouse and your peripherals and your dongles and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, like super organized and accessible. Um, so I've been carrying around one of those in my, in my bag as well. Well, that seems to uh, be sort of a trend is that like, while all of the bags sort everything accordingly, they also keep them accessible. I don't know. In my life, like I'm pretty organized as a person, but like having things organized and accessible is often like a really tricky balance. Totally. Yeah. Our bags are designed around 
kind of a, a few key themes like organization, access, uh, expansion. All of our bags have like really kind of clever and clean expandability and contraction when you're carrying more and less. Uh, and then just protection. When we launched our bags, at that point, all of our customers were photographers and filmmakers and, and creatives. Um, and so, you know, when you're carrying around a bunch of like expensive, delicate digital digitalia, if you were, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm definitely trying to make it happen. Um, you know, when you're carrying that stuff around, you don't want it bumping into each other. You want it like nicely secured in its little cubby. Um, and, uh, so, you know, as we were kind of designing around that set of needs, we actually realized that we could make a solution that was great for carrying that kind of stuff and also carrying like, you know, your gym clothes and a sandwich and a jacket and, you know, like all the stuff that you would carry on an everyday basis, not just like your creative gear. Right, right. Carrying your uh, delicate digitalia as well as everyday stuff. <laughs> exactly. One thing that uh, we usually do with our company spotlight is try to provide the Mountain Meister listeners uh, a, a discount promo code. Um, and I think we've set that up with uh, Peak Design, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we got a code on our website, uh, Meister10, 10% off anything. And uh, yeah, go, go take advantage of it. That's 10% off at peakdesign.com with the code MEISTER10 at checkout. Before you decide whether or not you want to take advantage of this, though, I'd highly recommend that you listen to our review. Roommate Max and I tried two of the bags. It's cool to me that a company can be so specific for certain users and so dynamic for other users. That's a good good point. We have we have two different bags. I have the Everyday Sling 10 liter, uh, which is uh, like the name indicates, like a sling style pack, uh, like a perfect bag for cycling. You see, like hipster cyclists wearing this kind of bag. It's like the cross sling, right? And then uh, yours is a much bigger bag. You want to talk about yours? Yeah, mine's uh, they're brand new, like a month ago. I think the Kickstarter just ended in October. Um, called the 45 liter travel bag um and it's exceptional it's like the perfect bag to go on a weekend um anywhere Hmm. whether you're getting on a plane if you're going hiking i don't know it's um it's sweet what do you like about it features the way it's constructed is i think premier like the materials are all super durable but also a little bit fashionable all in one um I don't know. Hannah's laughing at me because literally after I got this bag, I showed it to everybody and their brother, (laughs) (laughs) like gave tours of my bag day in and day out. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of sweet features. It it can expand into like a a full 45 liter bag. It can compress anywhere to a 40 liter down to a 35 liter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like when we went to San Francisco, I packed my entire weekend in it and um it fits in the overhead of the airplane, which is deluxe. And then when you get to where you're going, if you pair it with their travel pouches, you just unload your travel pouches and then it becomes like 
an awesome day bag hmm. um, with like the compression part. So yeah, I don't know. They just they nailed it. I think. That's great. <laughs> so I've had I've had my everyday sling ten liter for five or six months now. Um, here it is, right here. If you want to see it. Oh, nice. Um, what is that? The slate? What's that? Yes, this. Uh, that sounds. It looks. It looks slate. Let's see. Charcoal. Yeah. Sorry. Charcoal colorway. Yes. There's. Uh, <laughs> this comes in black, charcoal, and ash. So, fifty shades of gray. <laughs> and, uh, I chose the middle gray option. And okay, so yes, uh, waterproof. I've cycled many times in the rain with it, and nothing has ever gotten wet inside of it. Um, the those straps that you were talking about below that I didn't even know were tripod straps um, have I have shelved water bottles in there, jackets, uh, groceries, like. They, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, they like expand out enough to fit some like pretty great uh, like it's pretty versatile. Um within the bag, it's this is like one of those bags where it you use everything and you don't use nothing. Um is that is that good? Like uh, it's every no, yeah, it's yeah, everything yeah. you need and nothing that you don't. So then on the inside there's like this zip zip up pouch that has like a few pockets and I use them all. I use it for like my headphones, my sunglasses, uh, my cell phone charger, and they just like all fit separately into like a little pocket up there. And then the right. cell phone charger and the headphones never get tangled. It's like, it's nice. all perfect. So then that's that's completely <laughs> filled. And then I have, stu- oh, by the way, there are like panels in here and you can adjust, the- I'm sure yours has this too. You can like adjust the panels to like, configure the bag differently if you want to like protect your camera lenses or whatever so the design that i have chosen is like big big pocket and that takes up like two-thirds of it big pocket that takes up two-thirds and then a smaller pocket that takes up one-third of the pack in the one-third of the pack i have my laptop charger and then in the two-thirds part i put my lunch and a like packable shell stuff it in there then there's a laptop sleeve which somehow this thing fits a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, and nice. everybody is so shocked by that. They're like, you can fit your laptop in there? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty great. Just <laughs> barely fits, but it's also padded. I'm like, I'm blown away by this pack. Um, Just a quick question. Does your, is there any like try, like so as it slings over, is there any cross member that could go to the other side of the bag like to sort of secure it better to your back or no is that not an option i've seen that on other bags i don't know if he designed it i think i know what you're talking about so like i just have one diagonal sling going across Correct. there's nothing else to secure it down which gets, would you want that or well, like- okay so i so don't want to talk about a weakness because i like 100 percent recommend this bag but I have to talk about the weakness, which is it sometimes slides a little bit um, uh-huh. because it doesn't have that, that extra little feature you're talking about. And then also on the diagonal strap, like there's this really great adjusting mechanism where you can just like grab this little uh, piece like of the sliding that, buckle. Yeah. yeah. So you grab that sliding buckle and then like you just like adjust it a tiny bit to expand the sling into like a much bigger diagonal piece of webbing. Which you then like use the to take, strap, yeah. yeah, you use to take the bag off, and then when you're ready to put it back on, you put like the big expanded part over you, and then you cinch it down again. But yeah. there's also to make 
like to give you extra room to adjust that, there's like something up toward the your shoulder which you can like permanently adjust. And right. sometimes that permanent adjuster starts to slip and then I'm not able to like cinch the bag down the whole way. As tight as you want. And I get you that. Have I get to that. Like, yeah, so then you have to take the bag off, like readjust that permanent one, and then you're good for the next like two weeks until it slowly starts to slip again. Huh. You got me? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, well, I did a lot of research after getting my bag, and I learned that Peak Design designed and built all of their own hardware from scratch. So it's wow. all custom. They don't buy that from YKK or like any oh. like big name manufacturer. Like they make that themselves. And I think that's sort of how they got to perfect that sling mechanism you're talking about. Right, like right. they promote it heavily because it's so cool. It's really, really uh, cool. Because like that that part works perfectly. It's the part toward the top that uh it just seems like it's a regular Yeah. Uh, well I wonder if they if they didn't design that, if they maybe, like outsource yeah. that and buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am quite jealous of your bag. Like I think that's like a sweet everyday bag. Thank like, you. Pretty optimal. Yeah, I'm psyched about it too. Uh yeah. it retails for $150. Uh would I buy it with my own money? Uh 100%. Like this is really? finally <laughs> something that we've gotten on the company spotlight that I would buy uh after my experience with it. I also think it'd be an amazing gift for somebody. Uh, mm. yeah. 150 bucks for how I've used this is not, not expensive. Right. Yeah. It's pretty high value proposition. Mm -hmm. And like you can get them for kind of almost anybody. Like it would work for somebody who's going to school. It right. Work right. Who's like a professional, like the black one is very, very professional mm -hmm. looking and sleek. Okay. So yours is the travel backpack 45 liter right now retails for two ninety nine ninety five three hundred $300. Um, I personally would not buy it at that price. Um, I would buy this bag if it were on sale at $200. You're the same answer you've given before. You're always looking for the discounts. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I, this is my thinking is that $300 is a lot to spend on a backpack. Um, I don't know if I were traveling a lot for work, I would probably buy this bag. Hmm. So but, if that's if you were that person, you would. Yeah, yeah. It, I think, does really well in its world. But for me, like, I'm not getting on a plane every other week. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that's sort of, like, a little bit lost on me. But when I do get on a plane now, this is my go-to bag. Like, I, we flew to San Francisco last weekend, and it was the best thing I could have brought. Um, like, I'm going to Denver next in two weeks for Thanksgiving, and... Um, I'm going to be able to take 10 days worth of stuff in this bag. Max and I talked about peak design. Well, mostly Max talked about peak design for the next 10 minutes. And, oh, no, Ben, the other two things, perfectly organized. I didn't even get into these, the organized. But then, Ben, you flip it over on the backside, and there's another pocket. And then this is going to blow your mind. It's a little sleeve for your uh, toothbrush. They, they think of everything in not an intrusive way. Yeah, I don't know. it's very it's very well designed. Peak yeah. design, some may say. Uh, Peak design. <laughs> would no, you, and then check out the Would you pay $60 for that wash pouch? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get the point. Peak design, 10% off with the code MEISTER10. 
That's all for today's episode. Thanks again for listening. Links to everything we talked about on our website, mtnmeister.com. Till next time, enjoy doing the rest of whatever else you do when you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I'm your host, Ben Shank. Thanks for listening to Mountain Meister.